has gotten much better lately. Don't tell me about the weather. I don't want to hear about the weather. All right. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in Jacksonville, Florida I, right now. And it, well, I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up specifically because I think it's relevant to the whole Kawhi discussion. You know, oh, wow. About, like, the okay. warm weather. Okay. So okay, okay. I think it's important. And I think this is the first good weather of the season for us, which is working out pretty good in terms of timing because the wraps are back in town now. And so this is how, you know, hopefully this is how granular you have to get when you're in uh, this situation that we're in as Raptors fans, where you've not, not just thinking about the basketball, not just thinking about the league, but thinking about the weather in Toronto. No lie. No lie. This has been a day to day thought for me. It's just every day. If the weather's bad, it's like, Oh God, Kawhi's going to hate this. He's leaving. And then on like a nice sunny day, it's like, this is great. Like, I hope he's getting out of the house. Are they in town or are they away? Like this is constant. <laughs> yeah. Throughout this season. <laughs> God damn, yeah. It's, it's like, we need them to go to the NBA finals, not so that they win a title so that Kawhi can't leave, but we need them to go. We need them to have that many home playoff games so that he can, yeah. ex- he can experience uh, playing basketball in the summer in Toronto. Or I guess the yeah, we need him here in June. We yeah. need him here in June. Yeah. And so this is the reason why we need to go to the finals, not for any championship aspirations. Forget that. <laughs> it's to show him that Toronto is a great summer city. Yeah, right. You're not beating Golden State anyway this year. So this is all about giving uh, Kawhi uh, a chance to live in Toronto, patio season in Toronto. And get, oh, hell yeah. While he's, still, while he's still thinking about basketball and enjoying life. Meanwhile, in, in Florida right now, I am I am dying because it's, it's 30 degrees every day uh, at the start of a oh. five-month six month summer season so uh um brutal i i hear you on that but um see uh, why why do people want why do players care about going to california or or florida when the weather's just garbage half the year right (laughs) (laughs) i I think that's okay that that, i think that does apply to florida it's pretty swampy down here and it's it's kind of miserable uh i I, it's a totally different case in california obviously and you know that i was up late night balling Let's talk Raptors, man. Uh, big, yeah. big game four win, clutch game four win. Oh, yeah, uh, stressful day yesterday. Yeah, they won it in about the most stressful way possible. It was close the entire game. I think it was tied. Virtually tied at half, and then tied at the end of the third. It was no no team was ever sort of stepping out and taking a big lead, so they they kept us on the edge of our seat the whole time. Yeah, yeah, and and just watching yesterday. So yeah, I I brought up the weather yesterday. Yesterday, you know, throughout the day, you know, we got up early. Sander and I we went out, enjoyed the weather. We played some tennis. Then we decided to go uh, to Trinity Bellwoods area and walk around, enjoy the beautiful weather. And as the clock ticked closer to three p.m. I just, despite, you know, the beautiful weather and the great time we were having, I could feel the sense of dread just approaching me. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, why do I feel this way? You know, like the weather's great. It's been a beautiful day. Best day of the year so far in Toronto. Why do I feel this way? And that sense of dread just creeping up to me, leading up to tip off, uh, basically summarizes my, uh, my just overall roller coaster of emotions I've been having this series in general. Um, But thankfully, we pulled it out. Well, uh, in, let's in let's kind of summarize. Let's check in where we're at. We we had you and I did the episode last. Uh, I guess it was not. It was last Friday, not this, not the a week and a half ago, and we got delayed a little bit. I ended up coming down with a flu this last week, so I did watch a lot of basketball, uh, but I didn't listen to a lot of podcasts. I wasn't very plugged in, and there was no way I could have recorded an episode. So we're a little bit late getting to this one. But the last time we recorded was on the eve of this series. 
I think we both felt pretty good that Toronto would win the series. Maybe you were a little bit more confident than I was uh, in thinking something about a sweep, <laughs> right? Something about a sweep. Yeah. I I didn't. I, it's not even that I disagreed with that. Um, it was just more that I felt like the the margin of error was so thin with such a uh, such an, a, a talented starting roster that uh, Philly has that. I was, yeah, a little more cautious and thinking uh, it would go so well, but I definitely felt it was Toronto's series to to lose. I mean, they were the they're the better team. I was very much convinced of that. And now we've had a very up and down series where it's really hard to make heads or tails of like who is the better team. Yeah, I, I think so. When my when I gave my my, I guess. I guess you could call it a spicy take of uh, predicting a rap sweep. It was, you know, Andrew, whenever you're starting a podcast and nobody knows who you are and uh, we have zero credibility for you to go out on a limb like that, it was definitely a bold take. It's for the clicks, you know, it's it's what it's all about. So I was just putting it out there. (laughs) No, but but in all seriousness, I believe that the potential was there. I think the biggest thing I underestimated was the Sixers just sheer size advantage compared to us. Right which is essentially neutralize our bench. Like all the talk going to the series, how much better our bench was. Yeah. yeah. And that has just been completely reverse reversal of fate where the Sixers bench looks great, honestly, and ours look is non-existent. Yeah. And I would, I would caution fans. Fans are pretty much just like throwing Fred and Norm under the bus completely. They definitely have been unplayable in the series, but I think they're just so undersized. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, and and then it, this really just has really been made worse by um, OG's absence, extended absence. He's, he's absolutely. He, we had maybe hoped he'd be available in the series, which was probably a bit of a long shot. We know now he's not going to be available, but he's he's somebody who has like a freak wingspan and is hyper athletic. Who we were going to need probably coming off the bench in this series, and he's not been available. So we've had to make do. You saw Nick uh, Nick Nurse shorten up the bench big time and really go with six guys um, in in game four. Yeah, and I think to to the Fred Van Vliet and Norm point, I think uh, this is this kind of ties to the theme that we're going to try to get at throughout this episode, which is overreactions from both media and fans. You know, prior to this series, people talked about Fred Van Vliet, Van Vliet as though he was a potential, you know, starting point guard, you know, sixth man candidate potentially at least last year and this year. You know, he's had ups and downs, but people used to see him as a dependable person. And then after three games, this series where he's, you know, he has been bad, um, but we can, I think, largely attribute that to uh, to the Sixers length. But you just immediately hear both from fans and media that Fred Vliet is now garbage. You, <laughs> like it's as if he, he can't play basketball right. anymore, the types of reactions that you hear. Right. And it, yeah, I, I think this this is a bad matchup for him but to say that he's now just not an nba player is like ridiculous and you keep hearing that yeah he he i mean he yeah, he, good to push back he can't get his shot off um i think it was maybe william lou who uh picked up the stat that like he's his shot's been blocked more than he has scored in this series um he he can't get his shot <laughs> off um that is ultimately something he obviously has to work on if he's going to be a, a factor in in future playoff series and a factor in the playoffs in the future with this team. Um, but yeah, it's he's just overmatched. It's not the end of the world. We can't play him. It's if we had OG, it would not even be an issue. Um, but it but it's a pretty big issue right now. We've had this weird tension with the Raptors all season where like they've had kind of two offenses. One has been the sort of hyper ball movement team uh, team working together offense without Kawhi when Kawhi was out with uh, under his load management. And then we had kind of the Kawhi iso ball. Um, 
and Fred Van Fleet was a big part of the former offense. You know, when it was when you you could have Kyle and Fred and Mark, and they could all be kind of uh, all be ball passers, ball movers, I guess. Um, and and all be he, he his movement off ball is so so phenomenal. He that's obviously something we don't have an option to use in this series with him with yeah. him being played off the court. So it's been all Kawhi all the time, and it's also been all uh, all amazing. I mean, Kawhi is incredible. Oh my! We should God, talk yeah. about Kawhi for a minute. <laughs> Yeah, and, and just uh, to kind of wrap up this point, uh, I think a good comparison actually is if you look back uh, to, I think it was a 2016 conference finals between OKC and Golden State where OKC went up 3-1. And within that series, you know, people would predict, you know, Golden State's going to win. They were 73-9. And then you just enter that series and OKC is so long and big and they really disrupted, you know, the, the pass-heavy style that Golden State played. And, you know, obviously I don't want to compare us to Golden State or even the Sixers to that OKC team, but I think there's a comparison there to be made that the Sixers are so long uh, that they can really disrupt a flow for an offense that depends on smaller players. Yeah, and um, I think, yeah, we, we so, both made a mistake of not, not focusing enough on that when we talked or did the, the pre-series breakdown. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think the Sixers have kind of turned it up a notch to their credit as well. Um, but thankfully, you know, our trump card to that is Kawhi Leonard, who's uh, a good basketball player. Yeah, say. he's good at basketball. I, I love watching this guy play. Um, he's probably the only Raptor I think we've ever had where every time he shoots, I feel like it's going in, um, which just speaks yeah. to, you know, just an incredibly efficient player. Obviously, I, I didn't know. I knew he was going to be a great scorer for our team, um, but I didn't know that he could hit the three like this, like. 45% yeah. or something like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Frankly, I, I mean, yeah, we, we knew he was good, but we like, even this year, we haven't seen this level. I mean, this series has been absolutely incredible. Yeah. He, his true shooting percentage is something like 70%, yeah. which yeah. is, I just looked it up. Uh, That's exactly only, right. Only achieved by, uh, like people who live around the rim, like centers who just go for dunks. And that yeah, it. he's, uh, it's incredible. It's even more incredible because they've had to kind of play him as he, I mean, he's st uh, the starting small forward, but he really is uh, like a two guard for them right now. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing, they're actually putting the ball on in his hand. Now that, you know, we are kind of short in the guard rotation due to Fred Van Bleet being unplayable. They're just saying, heck, just give the ball to Kawhi and let him initiate the offense. And, and you know, that's often the best offense you can get out of in this series right now. Cause Kawhi's just been that good. <laughs> yeah, I love that. They're saying, uh, heck, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Nick Nurse. Uh, that is Nick that Nurse. Yeah, that is very Nick yeah, Nurse. He's probably off on me after listening. To <laughs> I love Nick Nurse. Honestly, he seems like a great. Well, guy. let's let's talk uh, about Nick Nurse a bit too, because um, I know I was guilty of this in game two. I felt like uh, that game was winnable. It, we were playing like, I mean, we we're playing trash offense, um, and it was very frustrating to watch. But the game was still there within reach, and. Uh, Embiid was having a disastrous game. Uh, the only thing working for the Sixers was really their defense and Jim. And it felt like it was within reach. And the starters came out in the third quarter and made a real push and got it to within one point, I think. And then he went back to his sort of three, four man bench uh, lineup, and we lost. We got back in a deep hole. And it they did put the starters back out there and they did make another run, but it was just like too little, too late. And I, I, that's been the one sort of thing that stood out for me with Nick, where I was a little frustrated with that, that it didn't seem, and I, I've heard, I've heard other people say yeah. it this way that he wasn't coaching with kind of the desperation that uh, Jimmy Butler was playing with. Um, but 
aside from that, and I do understand he's probably in a mindset that it's a long series and you need, you feel like at that point in game two, you've got to find a way to get the bench guys going. Um, so I, I can kind of rationalize it, but aside from that one kind of, uh, misstep from my, my perspective, at least he's been, he's been a great coach. Yeah. And I think this is, this is uh, a very common thing for, I mean, raps fans, especially, but I think just fan bases in general, as if, if you like, we're so quick to judge a coach's decision as if we could do a better job. Like you don't, we, we rarely think about the repercussions of, you know, making an adjustment, you know, whereas a coach is constantly thinking about these things and thinking about things that you have potentially never even thought of. So I think like, it's easy to say that Nick nurse was, you know, maybe late on his adjustments. Um, but to do that within a game, especially within a tight game is really tough to do. So I know a lot, especially after game three, a lot of Ravs fans were kind of, you know, really questioning Nick Nurse's judgment. But I think, honestly, he, he's he, he's he been fine. I'm not going to about to say that he's an amazing coach or he, he has yet to prove that. But I think he's been doing a pretty good job and at least better than, you know, putting CJ Miles on Kevin Love level. I don't think either of us wanted to get as much into like uh, X's and O's and like matchup stuff and breaking down the the film kind of thing. Uh, but yeah. I would throw it to you about uh, Nick. Nick kind of took a, a risk. He kind of rolled the dice on going big in game four where he was running the running out Gasol, uh, Ibaka. I think even Serge at one point, they had the full set of our biggest front court possible, really. Um, and that seemed to work. Um, and then Siakam obviously was struggling a lot, so they, he, he, he did not play as much, but, uh, when they stuck with Gasol and Ibaka, that seemed to change the tide a little bit. And, uh, we really scored at will with that big lineup. What can you, can you tell me a little bit yeah. about why that worked maybe? Or if you, if, if you don't want to get into that, if you think you'll see, we'll see it the rest of the way. I think it's a combination of things, biggest one of which is the the boards. So I think uh, like this game, we actually matched the Sixers on boards. It was 43-43. So we, we matched them on boards. But if you look at all of our previous uh, matches, they, they've been out-rebounding us like crazy. Like in great, the game three blowout, they, they rebound, out-rebounded us 45-35. And I'm pretty sure the other games they did too. So that helped a lot there. Uh, and I think... Uh, Serge plays well when he feels like he's needed, yeah. you know, like yeah, I he's, he, he has the responsibility and he kind yeah. of rises to, yeah. that, to that occasion. Serge is not a good off the bench kind of guy. And yeah, I think you've seen that. And it's just, you can see in his body yeah. language, like last, yeah, last game was the first game he seemed really invigorated and really yeah. engaged, especially in that fourth quarter. Like he was, he was blocking Tobias Harris and flying in for offensive boards and he was critical for us to pull out that tight yeah, win. I, so, I don't know if it'll work um, in every series, but uh, against such length and rebounding that the, the Sixers have, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I, your point is exactly right. I think, and I was about to say it, Ibaka, Ibaka's had a really weird year, kind of an unprecedented year for at least uh, a Raptor starting unit where this guy was probably having his career year, one of his best years ever. Uh, definitely his best regular season with the Raptors. And Masai went out and got an upgrade over him and he found himself on the bench going to the playoffs. So that, that had to be like a tough kind of surreal thing for him to deal with and process. Um, he's yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think Serge is a prideful yeah, guy too. Like he, he's super nice and genuine, but you know, you see it in his shows and stuff like he likes the spotlight. And so it must be tough to, you know, kind of take on a, well, and I think role, Nick so. nurse is sensitive to that. Like in game one, uh, 
the Raptors led most of that way. They were leading in the second half, and they they again rolled the the bench unit out. And Serge was really really struggling. And he and Nick decided to be like patient and let him kind of ride it out. Uh, and sh- like sure enough, Ibaka kind of picked it up and ended up playing okay in that game. Um, and and after that game, yeah. they asked kind of Nick Nurse about that decision to stick with Serge, and he was like, you know, Serge needs to play his way into the game, and he, he's had a great season for us, and he deserves the opportunity to do that. Um, in game two, it seemed like that didn't work, but you can understand what Nick is doing kind of behind the scenes, what we don't necessarily know about as fans, which is he's trying to manage Serge's like identity and and uh, sense of self on this team, how he fits in. And he's I, hopefully he can be a sixth man for us, like a guy who's kind of uh, not the starting center, but like uh, instead of the se- the second center, uh, kind of the one B or uh the, the third guy yep. in a front court rotation with with Siakam and and, and Mark, uh, so yeah, I, I I I'm with you completely. He's he's a guy who's you really got to manage as a personality, and as long as he kind of knows his role and feels confident that he's contributing, he's gonna give you good minutes. Yeah, and just one last uh, more tactical point, just practically speaking, like the reason why the surge Mark combo works, whereas the surge JV combo didn't. Is Mark can right, hit the right. three, so he can space well, out the four. So and Mark is an incredible out. passer, right? Like he's just a much, much more high IQ offensive exactly, player. Yeah. And Serge, I think, is a uh, uh, potentially dangerous offensive player, but not necessarily the high IQ offensive player. You know, you want him in the the pick and roll. You want him uh, kind of crashing the board, uh, but you don't want to you don't want to overdo it there. The pick and pop, keep it simple with Serge. And yeah, like yeah. you said, Marcus Marcus all lets you do that. Yeah, I think Serge is also a better definitely, rebounder than Mark. Yeah. So I think that, and he he does he gets so fired up, yeah. he gets so into the game whenever he can have a big block and like swat the ball into the into the stands. Oh, yeah. So he was doing that big time. So yeah, hopefully they've got something now that'll work. Uh, so you think we'll see it in in Game Five? Uh, I think we'll see. I think Nurse probably liked what he saw. Uh, it is risky still, um, you know, especially if if you have Siakam in there yeah. as well. Uh, I would try to avoid that. I think if if I were Nurse, but we'll see we'll see how it yeah. goes all right um well one of the other kind of crazy things about watching this game uh game four which was definitely a must win um we were following along as we always do with our kind of uh basketball messenger chat and just that the the misery <laughs> that we were that we were hearing <laughs> and seeing and expressing and i i was a little bit more a part of it than you were you were kind of a, you were out of there you were staying you were keeping it at arm's length uh, and playing it cool, um, but it's it's been a, we're in an interesting situation as Raptors fans, and I think we should think about that a little bit because on the one hand, everyone is pretty convinced this is the best Raptors team of all time, and on the other hand, it feels so uh, precarious because Kawhi could leave uh, in a few games. I mean, if the season's over in the series, that could be the last time we have one of the best players uh, in the league on our team. Um, and so there's just if, if there was already a lot of pressure being a Raptors fan and a lot of pressure on this franchise to take that next step, uh, this whole situation with Kawhi complicates it even more. So it, our friends, at least, um, gave us kind of a, a up close view of how torturous this playoff series is for for Raps fans. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, the rational part of me which I tried to bring up in the, in our group convo yesterday was, you know, we as Raps fans, I think we we think that uh, you know we're harder on ourselves than any other 
uh, franchise. Like, I, I think, you know, we believe that, you know, the worst comes to us. The refs give us always a short end of the stick. Uh, the media always overlooks us and immediately throws us under the bus. And I definitely think the media part of that has some truth to it. But I think we feed into that as well. You know, I think it's 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 the road goes two ways. You know, the media, you know, dismisses the raps very quickly after a couple of bad losses. But then we also feed into that by, you know, believing that the series is over after, you know, one tight loss and one blowout loss in game three. Um I think, you know, the, we, you know, after game one, uh, you know, the, that game one win were quiet 45 and it looked like everything was going the, the raps way. Everything was going great. It looked like the Sixers had no chance. You know, you looked at all the media coverage after game one and everyone immediately after that game, uh, d- dubbed the series as being over as the raps, you know, it's, that's it. You know, the raps are the superior team, blah, blah, blah. And it's just amazing, incredible how after two, just two games, how everyone just does a complete 180, both raps fans and media alike, you know, it's not only the media as, as, as fans, you know, talking to, you know, our friends who are also raps fans after game one versus after game three is like night and day. Uh, and, and I think that that should say something about, you know, just the level of overreaction we have after game by game. Uh, and that's maybe part of the culture of just, you know, sports coverage these days in general, especially in the NBA where you got to have your takes and you got to have new ones every day. And the only way to just keep on generating new takes to get new clicks is to talk about what happened last night. Um, so the media plays a part in that, but then the raps fans also play a part in that as well. And, we should know that we're not unique as a fan base. All fans <laughs> overreact to games. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's this hilarious notion that we think that we're different from other fan bases. Definitely we've had a tortured sports history, but other cities have yeah. as well. I, uh, and so th- I Well, yeah, I just – it, it's really hard to separate a few of these things that maybe we would like to separate out. But it, it, it all kind of gets mixed up in one kind of big thing. Um the, the way the U.S. media covers this team uh, makes it very, very difficult not to kind of have a bit of an edge. And it's not like you said, to your point, it's not like we're the only franchise that gets kind of the uh, short shrift in the treatment. I mean, you won't hear the U.S. media talk about um, <laughs> uh, Minnesota or um, well, even now in the playoffs where you have a couple of other really good teams in Denver and Portland where no one's really talking about those teams. It's all. It's all Boston, it's all Philly, it's all Golden State. Um, so that part's real and not unique, but it but it can it can take on a little bit more um, uh, of a personal touch when it comes to Toronto being the one Canadian team um, where it Toronto like we know you live in Toronto now. I have lived in Toronto. We know it's like a top five city in the United States and Canada. Like uh, so, it's confusing to us to kind of get lumped in with smaller market teams whenever it's this giant city. So that stuff seems very personal. Um, but, it, but it, but it also reflects kind of just like a, an ignorance a little bit like, um, yeah, people talk about Toronto as just this winter kind of hellscape instead of like an incredible, like vibrant city with that's not actually as cold as say Minnesota. Um, (laughs) it's, it, 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 I think that's where some of the Raptors fans are like, right to be just annoyed just frustrated with that stuff it is it is super annoying and and definitely i get super frustrated listening to some of these other podcasts who cover basketball uh i think i think actually 
one thing I have noticed is I think it's a lot a lot of the the just bad takes about Toronto and Canada are largely from you know older generations of sports yeah. media. Um, whereas when you hear sort of younger people talk about the raps, it's uh, a lot more level headed, I feel, and, and just like much more comparable to how they cover other teams. Um, but I did want to mention that uh, even like some of the more like people who are quote unquote more respectable, sure. uh, like e- even like Bill Simmons and, and and some of those guys who who just like they clearly don't watch the Raptors, a eh? and the occasional time that they do pay attention, it's like very lazy takes, like very bare bones, and it's because they don't watch the Raps, like they don't care enough to watch the Raps, and so when the Raps make some noise, they're like, oh, like there's this city outside of the U.S. that I don't care about because I love the U.S. and anyone outside the U.S. is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 so when when it comes to these you know, Toronto or even other teams that start making noise that they don't end up, you know, watching very much. You can tell how, about how lazy. Well, it's funny listening Uh, to you say all this because, uh, it's being here in the States now and seeing it kind of play out. It, what you're saying is, I think very accurately describes like kind of, um, elite and like well-to-do Americans for them. It's, you know, USA, number one. <laughs> it's, it's this very kind of superficial understanding of the world outside of their borders. But, like, when I go into work, I work in a, in a warehouse here in Jacksonville. And, like, people that I uh, am working alongside know about Canada because it has, like, free health care, you know, or, or because yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it has at least a reputation. Not always uh, well-earned, but a reputation for, like, being a little more progressive in terms of race and, and gender identity and stuff like that. Uh and I think at, at the work at the level of like my coworkers, kind of working class folks, like that, there's some knowledge of that. There's some awareness and appreciation for that. And people talk about wanting to visit Toronto, wanting to visit Montreal, and everyone, of course, knows all my all my coworkers know that this is where Drake hails from, of course, too. So uh, there's there's a lot of respect and appreciation for Toronto, both. And I, and this also goes to your point about it being generational, because mo- most of my coworkers are are my age or younger. Um, yeah, there, there's there's a shift happening for sure. Um, but but you don't you yeah. don't see it or hear it with with the Bill Simmons of the world that that no, I, and yeah. I, we we both were laughing before we sat down to record this. Um, the Bill Simmons Joe House on uh, on the BS podcast today uh, or it came out yesterday. I'm not sure when it came out. Um, but their take on the series at the start of the series was yeah, like Toronto is probably the better team, more depth, whatever. Um, and now all of a sudden in Game Four, when the series is tied two two. They're just laughing about the Raptors being trash. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really hard. That's yeah. really hard to justify if you're looking at like any of the stats of the series. I mean, it's a it's a tight. Yeah, yeah. like I think I think the quote was the Raptors suck. Like I, that was a full real quote from Joe House on that podcast. Like, oh no, the Raptors yeah. suck. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so like totally like overreactions and like clearly don't watch the Raps and also they. They just don't care, and they like to feed into this whole storyline. Uh, and and I think you hit the hit the nail on the head when you said um, uh, like there's an elitist element to it, especially with the Canada versus the U.S. stuff. And you definitely hear it with these Gen Xers, and and you know, I'm I'm not sure if I should name names, but there was definitely <laughs> one uh, Gen Xer, you know, sports media personality who a while back I, I was listening to him, and he was talking about you know, uh, raps fans and, and Canadian fans talking about how great their city is. And then he brought up our healthcare system and how we say like Canadian healthcare system is awesome, or at least it's 
far superior to the one that's in the States. Uh, and he, his, he says something like, you know, he kind of got, you know, very defensive about it and kind of scoffed and said, you know, geez, calm down. You know, like we have way more people here in the States, you know, the problem is much more difficult. So, you know, get off your high horse about your universal health care. And I'm just thinking to myself, like this guy has never dealt with any health care problems <laughs> in his yeah. life. Yeah. Well, that's, that's true too. I mean, the, the, the American media is so like legacy and like, it's like inherited. There's a lot of like nepotism and money. Uh, the, all these all these sports reporters go to like elite colleges and study like political science, and then the next thing you know, they're like uh, writers for ESPN or something. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a huge yeah. generalization. Obviously, there's a bunch of really good people who work their ass off to get to where they are. But uh, but absolutely, but absolutely, no, yeah. yeah. I mean, some of the 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 people that we have in mind, maybe. Uh, yeah, it just seems like they just came from. At, at least like upper middle class or from money or whatever. And they go into media and they don't question anything and they just have a career and they're, they go about their life and it's, it's great. And we're getting very far afield here, but, uh, but, no, but, the, like but the point is that uh, there's a disconnect, I think between your average American person or your, your, your typical American and the, the elite media. And yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, I think, I mean, I, I'm not about to say that they're like thinking constantly about how they can undermine the raps. I think it's just generally like, especially with these older sort of Gen X, uh, you know, sports media personalities, they're very much, you know, the old school, you know, America first, you know, real patriots, America's the best. And so they're only thinking about, you know, what's within their borders. And so, you know, when you have this city coming out, even one as prevalent as Toronto, you know, like you said, top five easily city in North America, you know, because it's not within America, they they don't like thinking about it, or at least it doesn't, you know, spark their interest because it's not within the states. Yeah, it's yeah. not, you know, America. Yeah, and you you do see that with players sometimes too, but I think uh, I think that's that's derivative of sort of the the media and uh, and just just the way that the raps get covered and characterized. But um, where where should we go yeah. from here? We've we've we started well, we started with. Uh, talking about the series, and now we're just pissed off at American exceptionalism. Well, how about this? How about this? So, so we're talking about you know how the media can be stupid sometimes uh, in their coverage of the Raptors, and I kind of alluded to this earlier about you know Raps as fans. You know, we kind of feed into this as well, and and sort of how how reactive we are to the media's reaction. Uh, and this kind of makes me think of, uh, you know, a conversation I had with one of our friends uh, who, who's in our group chat, Abel. Uh, and we were talking during the game about how, you know, why is it that we are like watching this game yesterday was just pure agony, like absolute agony, like game even throughout this playoffs. You know, I, I, I love basketball in general. And, you know, I've been watching other games and, you know, I flip on, you know, a Buck Celtics game and I, I feel so at ease, like entertained watching just the glory of the game. Um, even like I might have a slight rooting interest even based on like which team I slightly prefer. Um, but then when it comes to Raps games, you know, unless they're winning big and, and other Raps fans who I talk to say the same, they, there's just like this sinking feeling in their gut that makes it like almost sickening watching the game and that like it hit me yesterday as game four approached that this is unhealthy <laughs> like this is, this is not how you should be consuming or how you should be you know enjoying your team and so yesterday i really tried to make a mental effort to enjoy just the basketball of like this is a tight playoff game you know it's gritty physical you know we're seeing an unbelievable potential like generational performance in Kawhi. 
And when I sat back and sort of appreciated that, I found that I was enjoying the game much more. And and it took sort of my appreciation of this team to like another level. You know, obviously there's a lot of things that could change next year, but if we don't, it's like, I don't want to sound cheesy, but like <laughs> without, if we don't live in the moment kind of thing, you know, we, we end up just like hating this incredible run that we're on with, with potentially, you know, an MVP level player that we have on our team. You're on that, uh, you're on that KOC, uh, don't take LeBron for granted tip right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, think, I mean, I don't know. What do you think of that? That, that might be a bit like cheesy and naive, uh, but I don't know. Tell me, tell me, well, tell me I was watching wrong. the game yesterday. Uh, I started watching the game yesterday with my wife and Katie. And within, uh, I think at the end of the fourth quarter, the Raptors were up maybe just a couple of points, but I just like turned to her and I was like, yeah, this game's over. The Raps are losing. Um, the Raps are done. Uh, that's the season. Yeah, and, yeah. and she was just looking at the scoreboard and we're up and yeah, it had been in kind of an uneven quarter, but she was just so confused. Um, and then she, I think she kind of checked out at that point. She didn't want to watch. She didn't want to be a part of my, my sadness, my misery, but yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I guess I, what you're saying is that we should try to enjoy it, loosen up and relax a little bit and enjoy the basketball, uh, which is definitely being played at an incredibly high level, at least at least on the defensive end. Um, and then and, and then with Kawhi. But uh, I I don't know. I mean, if you're not so invested in your team that you're going to be happy if they win or miserable if they lose, like, I, I don't know why you'd you'd follow the sport in the first place sometimes you know uh, yeah i i agree with that but i i guess here's the question do you think we are uh like we are way more extreme when it comes to these swings compared to other you know maybe more established fan bases well, like that that's what i think is that you know we were talking about the media coverage and all this and all these questions that we have that it almost feels like as raps fans we question our own team and our, our team's ability to you know maintain you know success moving forward even you know beyond this well era. it's because uh, it's because of the Kawhi thing it's because of uh it feels like existential it feels like if Kawhi stays uh we have a great team for the next five years a, a title contender for the next five years because we have one of the best players alive locked in um and then the flip side of that is if he leaves we're probably re- rebuilding around like Siakam and OG and it's you're you're going to try and dump some expiring contracts and it's just you're back to square one a little bit and that's the end of this kind of six year uh how, how many years has it been now where the Raptors ever, yeah it's about like about six yeah. years where the Raptors have kind of been one of the top teams in the east and uh and then we've had all these playoff di- disappointments I think this year for me is hold on hold yeah. on, hold yeah. on. You you said it's about an existential question, but do you really think it's that different this year from prior Raptors years where it was less existential? It was more like we have this team locked up for a while. Uh, we feel like we're pretty good. Like we have a chance at making the finals potentially. But I feel like that same level of dread existed then as it does now. And I I think it's a large part of us feeding into this media narrative. Like us as Raps fans, we're too vulnerable or too susceptible to the media playing our expectations. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I For me, it is different. For me, it is different. And I, I'm not sure if it's different for other people. But for me, it's like, even, even though I feel like I've had to learn a little bit more about basketball to understand that we weren't really a contender before, uh, I kind of understood it while watching because there was no way you were going to beat LeBron, right? Like those Cleveland teams when they had Kyrie and Love, obviously you weren't going to beat them. It felt like it was open last year and we blew it. So that was frustrating. But 
but yeah, no, it didn't have the same like sense of urgency, I don't think, uh, or the same stakes. Whereas this year, it feels like we could win the East or uh, that's the end of the team <laughs> for, for, the, for the foreseeable future, for the next five years or so. Um, that, that's yeah. what it feels like it's at stake. Yeah. And so for me, it is different. For me, it's like we, we're going to make the big push and have the NBA Finals appearance this year, and it's going to be kind of uh, – hopefully that would be enough to keep Kawhi. When you're that good and you've just proven you can win the East, you're probably going to be able to make some good, good signings to round out this bench that's let us down. Like you're going to get those ring chasers. All of a sudden, you're right on the cusp. Like you got nothing to worry about if Kawhi's staying. But because the success uh, in this year's playoffs feels like that's what's going to determine – whether Kawhi stays or goes, it is really tough. I'm not ready for the Raptors. If the Raptors lose this series to Philly, I, it will definitely be like the most devastating loss for, for me as a Raptors fan ever. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It'll be crushing. And I and I think, uh, yeah, I mean, fundamentally, I'm with you. Like Kawhi is my, I mean, just after one year, he's hands down my favorite Raptor that that's played at least in this current era because he's so incredible to watch, obviously. Um and so I'm with you on that front. Um, I my only my only point is I think as Raps fans we feed into the story as much as the story feeds it feeds into us. You know what I mean? So um, I agree that you know having Kawhi this year is great and it's going to suck if he leaves. Um, but I believe in Masai and I believe in our infrastructure. And I think moving forward, even if Kawhi leaves, uh, I think we have a good setup for a rebuild. Um, and I think all hope won't be lost. It will. It will suck if Kawhi leaves. You know, so. just just you mentioned just so. you mentioning Masai as kind of like a, a counterbalance here as like uh, cause for for uh, patience and and re- re- oh God, bring reassurance. Up, uh, that is just another thing that reminds me about the stakes here because not only did that game three and even game four, even after game four, where we had this close game, uh, kind of the. The whole slate of like ringer podcasts that I listened to uh, following these two games basically used uh, Kawhi's excellence as a like a pivot point to why he should go to the Clippers. That because he's having to do it all by himself, he should go to the Clippers. Um, I if, if someone even said something to the to the effect of that uh, he's looking around with the Raptors right now and he's looking at this like aging Kyle Lowry and then he's thinking about that incredible, I, I don't know, pest performance by Patrick Beverly against Golden State and thinking like that would be some kind of upgrade over Kyle Lowry, which is ridiculous. But, um, <laughs> I mean, that's... He's, yeah, he's, Beverly, he's, Beverly's yeah, he's, he's yeah. a couple years younger and j- just as, if not more, injury-prone. I mean, totally ridiculous. Can't score the ball, can't do anything. I mean, he's not not near on Kyle's level, obviously. But uh, but the other, the, the other thing that made me think of this and went back to this is that uh, Masai has been floated by these same uh, people, these same personalities that we've we've uh, identified, people like ben, uh, Bill Simmons, sorry, uh, people like Zach Lowe even, who is a much more uh, thoughtful Raptors commentator, uh, as, a, as a candidate for the, the Laker position or, or another major market kind of historic franchise uh, GM spot or, or, or executive uh, spot. I mean, maybe is it possible that Masai is also just disappointed if if Kawhi isn't enough this year and we go out again in the second round that maybe Masai packs it up too? I mean, I think that that's the other layer of like dread here is that like it might be bigger than the players. It might be the whole kind of 
operation these last five, six years? Boof, this got dark. Yeah, this is too dark. Uh, Let's not go down that path. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to think about that. But, yeah, I, I, why, why feed into the rumors? Like, I, we have gone zero indication that Masai wants to leave. He's got a great thing going on here, right? Yeah. So let's not feed into that. Story. Well, and we just let we just talk. did we just did and illustrated exactly what your frustration is is that you you listen to the U.S. media that does not have a deep understanding of what the Raptors have been doing, and they float things like Masai to the Lakers, which is a terrible job, right? Why would Masai ever want to go to the Lakers right now? Um, yeah, exactly. And it's not like exactly. Toronto and their ownership can't afford to pay him top dollar, so there's really no incentive for him to leave a great situation in Toronto. And th- that same should apply for Kawhi, but it's. It's just funny that like nobody nobody has considered that Philly might be really good, right? It's it's only that Toronto is bad that this is a competitive series. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's totally totally reactive and and I even heard I think recently uh, someone leaked a story that oh Masai is interested in the D, in the in the Wizards uh, right, GM right, position. Right, yeah. And, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, who, why the hell would Messiah want to go to DC with that John Wall contract and having to deal with that whole situation? I mean, in, in, again, yeah, I think you you hit the nail on the head that we shouldn't feed into these rumors. Like, we've heard <laughs> nothing from Messiah. Why should we? Why should we get all worked up over like some media personalities bringing this up to get? This clicks? is like I, I'm yeah. not saying that people like Zach Lowe were doing that, but uh, Zach Lowe was very careful in saying that the Lakers are interested in Messiah and not. And not necessarily vice versa that he's heard nothing in the office, Yeah, it's uh it's it's just life as a raps fan, man. There's no getting around it because we are just kind of this this uh side thing for the rest of the media coverage that it you, you can't you can't quite resist it completely, which is which is why it's just gonna be a tough a tough ride until we find ourselves in the NBA finals and feel like it's mission accomplished. The, the optimist side of me is that Toronto as a city is kind of newly coming on. Like we like to say that Toronto is an established city, but as a really like a top city in North America, we're kind of new, I think, still. Like it's really over the past decade or so that we've really come onto the scene, you know, with with all the, you know, celebrities that have come out of Toronto and really pushed it. Obviously, Drake and, you know, the Toronto basketball organization becoming much bigger. Well, that's I mean, and, that's what you know, it is, right? Like. The Raptors were just this weird kind of goofy expansion team in the '90s when they were named after the Jurassic Park franchise. Um, now, now they're like now yeah. they're oh, definitely a, a, a top tier respected franchise um, because of because, yeah yeah and, yeah. And yeah credit Messiah, yeah, credit exactly. Messiah. And, and and like the organization's infrastructure has improved and I think just as a city in general like we're kind of I think overall we're new to uh, the idea of being like an amazing incredible city just generally perceived. And so I think there will be a transition period, but the optimist side of me likes to think that, you know, there are still the doubters because this is new, this is fresh, you know, what is Toronto to them? Toronto isn't like even close to obviously New York or LA, but even like compared to a Boston, but I think we're getting there in terms of respectability. And I think you hear that from like younger reporters yeah. uh, who cover the Raptors, that there's a lot more respect there. So yeah, that, that's, I'm an optimist. That's, I'm an that's optimist. actually something that, that's unrelated, but related. I wanted to make a kind of like correction from the last episode. We talked a lot about Westbrook and like kind of what he's up against uh, doing what he does and his personality and what he tries to, to bring to the game and the culture. Uh, and I talked about the lack of kind of like, uh, uh, I guess people of color, color covering the sport. And so he's kind of always dealing with these white interviewers, uh, white podcasters, et cetera. Toronto is definitely at the sort of front edge of tra- transforming that situation. I mean, uh, all the podcasts that we like that, and all the writers that we, we, we like that come out of Toronto, 
uh, it would be very unfair to characterize that as like a, I don't know, predominantly white scene, like the, at least in the alternate, Absolutely. at least in the alternate media uh, and the new, the new media sources. I mean, the, I think probably one of the best guys is William Liu, uh, but there's a bunch of guys that are just like, yeah, part of the, the, the guard changing kind of. Yeah. Shout out William Liu and shout out, you know, all those guys who are much closer to the raps covering them day to day. Uh, you know, anyone who's listening who's a Raps fan, I highly recommend checking them out. A lot of them are now, I think, at Yahoo Sports Canada. Yeah, so, and they do that uh, Raptors Republic, Raptors Republic, and then there's there's also like um another site, Raptors Rapture, I think. A lot, a lot of alliteration yeah. going on with this, including uh, our own podcast. Uh, yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, but uh, <laughs> heck, eh? Um, but but it, <laughs> yeah. it 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 is a really good scene in Toronto, and I think yeah, over time that's going to be appealing to to players. Um. And it's definitely to to this franchise's credit that it's kind of it's kind of figured that out in Toronto, you know, because Toronto's such a like hockey mad city. Um, but it's also like one of the most diverse cities in the world. I think fifty percent of the population they say is was born outside of Canada, and so there's just people from all over the world, people a wide, <laughs> a, a crazy, uh, uncountable number of languages uh, spoken. Uh, just like, and and unlike maybe New York city where it kind of is like where you have kind of like this, um, uh, monoculture on top of all those, all that history and heritage in, in, uh, Toronto, you really do have like very diverse, like neighborhoods and, and cultures and identities all kind of present at the same time. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And I think, uh, like you also hear it from former and current NBA players that always, say that Toronto is, if not their favorite, one of their favorite cities to go to. Yeah. Like you hear it all the time on the, the TNT crew. I think, I think it's Chuck. It's Chuck. Chuck loves yeah, it. Chuck. Yeah. 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 Chuck says like Toronto's in his, in his top two favorite cities in North America to go to. So. Well, and you see, like you said, with it's generational, but a lot of these like young reporters love going to Toronto. Uh, Danny Chow most famously is like uh, basically an honorary Torontonian at this point. Yeah. Yeah. He loves it yeah. here. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, Definitely, I'm. I don't know if I'm as optimistic. I think there's a lot, <laughs> a lot to uh, the attitude that a lot of these sports outlets, media outlets, take Toronto to Toronto. But uh, yeah, it's it's changing, it's shifting, and and Toronto is playing such a big, active lead role in that change that uh, hopefully uh, they'll get the credit they deserve as a franchise and as a city. Yeah, how about how about I'll wrap it up with this? It's it's to quote Masai from the start of the season: "Raps fans, believe in yourself." Believe in this city, right? We are a, an amazing city. This basketball organization has really grown and established itself as one of the elite organizations in the NBA. You know, Kawhi staying or not, I think, you know, we should be hopeful of the future and not down on ourselves. It'll be tough when it happens, but I, from my perspective, I'll, I'll be the the good cop side of this conversation. <laughs> Don't know, be a cop, man. Don't be a cop. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Well, give, me, give me, give me a better, uh, give me a better analogy. I'm, I'm the optimist on this. In this yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. No, uh, I was gonna say we should maybe just leave it there. But also, real quick, this second round has been amazing. Every series is either two two or two one. There's two games tonight. Who do you think? What, what, what would be your off the top of your head? Don't overthink it. Who, who, what teams are advancing to the to the conference finals? All right, I'm gonna say. Milwaukee, Toronto, obviously. Uh, I'm going to say Portland, and I'm going Golden State. How about you? Okay, I think you're making, again, the rational choice. 
which we're going to count on you to do. I'm going to I'm going to say Toronto and Milwaukee. I'm going to say Denver. And I'm going to stick with my ridiculous prediction from the last episode and go with Houston. What do you think of James Harden? Like he's had a great game. I, I just like just quickly, just quickly. Like <laughs> no, you know, I'm, I'm laughing at myself because there's there's no way, right? There's no way Houston's going to pull no, this up. No. I mean, I mean, Steph has been bad, and Golden State has been winning. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, obviously they lost last game, and Harden yeah. had a great game. But I, I don't know. I, maybe I, you're right. I want. I want to. I. I want it to go seven. I think we deserve seven again with this, with these two teams. Because whatever you say, all 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 three games have been extremely close and competitive. Honestly, honestly, full disclosure. Full disclosure. I've been very out on this Golden State Houston series, which is like I, I'm pretty sure that's like extremely spicy. But I why I just why I don't know. I, I watch it and I I don't like watching Houston that much. Honestly, like their style of play really bores me. Why though? Uh, and. Well, I, our, <laughs> let's not get into this right now. Let's not get into this right now. But and also Golden State, like I've been there and done that. You know, I get it. Yeah. I think you Golden know, State. I think Golden State is both. You know how with our team, um, like I think we're the better team. The Raptors, the better like talent uh, and more well balanced like team than Philly. But Philly has this like incredible athleticism and size advantage. I, Golden State has both, right? They have the the more talented team and they're they're bigger than Houston. So it's it, yeah. it is really hard to see how Houston can can get them. But I still I'm still holding out hope. Uh James Harden, you asked me about James Harden. Um he's fine. He's fine. Um <laughs> I I he's think he's fine. It, he's fine. If Maybe I'm, an MVP candidate, but he's yeah, fine. Yeah, he's fine. I, if I'm being honest with myself, I feel like Austin Rivers playing way above uh his his norm uh oh, is is kind of what's keeping Houston in this thing. You know you're in trouble when. Right, right, right. It doesn't sound good, but I'm going to stick with it. Um but also I think Denver is really showing me something. Portland Portland is dangerous. I think Portland could, is probably the more logical choice, but I think Jokic is just having a coming out party, man. I mean, everyone's been talking about KD and Kawhi rightly so, but Jokic is probably the next guy in the playoffs who's really uh been like an MVP for their team. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I full disclosure, you know, we were talking about how like there are many sports media people who don't really watch the raps and then give out their takes anyways on them. Lazy I'm kind of like that with I'm kind of like that with Denver to be honest. So, I'm full disclosure, I haven't watched that much Denver. I've watched games in the series and they've been really fun to watch, but honestly, I don't really have a good read on that series, so it could it could go either way. I'm going for Denver for Jamal Murray, Canadian. Hell yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And yeah. he looks great. Yeah. He looks great. He went we are, off, we went are Jamal Boston. Murray stands here. You we see are, that? This podcast is pro Jamal Murray. You see that shot he had, like falling out of bounds and shot it up over the oh, backboard? Yeah. He's been incredible. He's been yeah. absolutely incredible. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah, when, when, he, when he starts playing defense, he's going to be he's gonna be good. Exactly. When, not if. When. Which is kind of kind of applies to the whole Denver team. But uh, yeah. But I like them. I like them. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they... If the, and it feels like an upset, even though they're the number two seed. It would feel like an upset to beat Portland. But yeah. But anyway, that's All good. Right, that sounds good, man. Yeah, we should. I uh, enjoy your your lovely Toronto weather, and hopefully Kawhi is doing the same. Because I hope him. You know, he's taking out his kids, his newborn, just going out for a walk today, enjoying the sun. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great here. Toronto's a great city. Folks, enjoy the Toronto Raptors, and don't take them for granted. Believe in this city. <laughs> I, I I really hope we win this series. I, I honestly, for me, I would be so so stoked if we were in the conference finals playing against like Giannis or or just that that murderer's row in uh, in Boston. Like that w- that would be the peak 
peak Raptors uh, attainment, I think, in franchise history. So these big, big, big three games coming up here against Philly. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get All right. it. Let's All go. right, man. Till next All time. Right. See